Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good to see all of you, and uh, like Rusty said, welcome to the vineyard. We have been in a series called Come Holy Spirit, and uh, you know, what we have been looking at and praying for is that we would begin to notice a noticeable presence of God in our lives, in our personal lives, but in our church's life as well. And so we've been making a journey through this prayer that the vineyard uses, come Holy Spirit. And uh, I pray that prayer often, but most of the time when I pray that prayer, it's because I need the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> Like in that moment, I need to know the noticeable, actionable, very present reality of the Holy Spirit. Not, I hope you understand where I'm coming from from this, uh, with this. Not that he's not always here. Not that the presence of God, if you're a follower of Jesus, isn't always residing in your heart. But there are times when we need to know and experience his presence. The faith that we hold on to is a wonderful, beautiful thing that God grows in in us as we learn to trust Christ and trust him with us and all. And there are times when, uh, honestly, there are times when we don't feel God. We don't sense he's around. I mean, there are times when we have doubt and we, we run through this process of questioning maybe sometimes the reality of God, right? And in those moments, you know, as we process through it, as much as reading and such stuff as I do, there's a time where I finally come and I go, you know what, Lord, would you just come right now and reassure me with your presence right now? And you know what? Most of the time he does it. Now, some of the time it doesn't happen. I, I know he's there. But what we've been trying to do is take that come Holy Spirit prayer, take that prayer that is very prominent in vineyard churches and pray. And take a look at maybe what's the difference when we notice the revealing of God in a much more pronounced way. And, you know, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, if you haven't responded to his great love, then I'll bet you have questions like that too. I bet you have questions like, is this just a cerebral thing? Is it a logical thing where I check the boxes off and then I finally make a decision that this might be true? Or is there really something very real about God being able to show himself to me, to us? And I think that's a valid question. I think that's a good question. And so we've been taking a look at it. And uh, you know, week one, we talked about that if we experience God in any way in our lives, it will be through the Holy Spirit. If you have ever said, wow, that was God in my life, then that was the Holy Spirit's work in your life. That was his presence that did that. We discovered the Holy Spirit is what enables us to change. And Lord knows we need to change. And uh, if we've had any change in us, it's because of his great love for us and his kindness and his power and changing our hearts and changing our thinking and all. It's, that's the Holy Spirit. If you look back on your life and you go, well, I can't believe it. I really have changed. And uh, 
You know, that's God that's been through the Holy Spirit that's done that. And if we see God at work, like I was just talking about, in the now, in any way, it's the Holy Spirit that we're seeing. That's the way he functions in this earth. And then week two, that was week one. Week two, Doug Dorman, Doug brought a fantastic message. I've listened to it twice, actually. And I've known Doug for 45 years, maybe. And uh, he used to be in my youth group. And uh, way back, and... uh, Doug shared a very amazing word that's worth going back and listening to about what God does when we go. When we leave from here, or we leave our small groups and we go. What the Holy Spirit does through us, in us, to us, and out there as we go. And then last week we looked at that the Holy Spirit is with us in a special way when we gather together. Uh, seems like he reveals himself in a different uh, uh, you know, I don't know if it's measure or what it is, but when there's two or more of us gathered together, and when we gather and we sing around him, there is a different feeling. There's a different dynamic. There's a different presence, it seems like, or at least tangible presence that we experience that it's time to wake up. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, and then also that the Holy Spirit is active when we are in agreement. When we pray together and we say, hey, this is what God wants for, let's say, for the church. This is what God wants for my family. This is what God wants for my business. This is what God wants for my friend. When, when we agree together, grab one another and agree that there's a special power in that. <laughs> is that an ice cream truck? <laughs> I'm just wondering, if you know, because we can take a break. If something special happens... Something special happens when we eat together, right? <laughs> so, I mean, if the truck's coming through the neighborhood, <laughs> we're on it, you know. Something happens when we're special when we're in agreement. And then something special happens when we worship together. There is a, there's a different, I don't know, a different dynamic. And the scripture, I think, uh, lays all of this out for us. So we know it in our hearts and we experience it. And so we're after more of that. We're after wanting to see that obvious, pronounced, uh, knowledgeable, experiential presence of God. We want his presence. We want to experience his presence in a deeper degree in our personal lives, our families, our friends, and also in our church and in our community. If you know, if you, uh, if you do a study, if you read back, some of you who have done uh, you know, comparative religious studies and you've read different things. If you, despite the critics saying how horrible Christians were or believers were or Israel was back in the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament in context of all the surrounding cultures, if you take a look at what God told them to do and what he did in their midst compared to those around them, you will see this growing a beautiful act of grace in them as God reveals his heart to the nations around them. And it's like if we see a presence, the presence of God in a different degree, it seems like to me, when we kind of reach out to those around us who maybe are not, maybe are downtrodden and beaten up and all. And we can see that all the way from the Old Testament when God gives them, you know, directives about caring for those that are, without around them that this was much more pronounced in Israel than it was the surrounding cultures now I challenge you if you don't believe that do some study do some work 
of the surrounding cultures and take a look at it and you will see God because God speaks to the culture and through the culture. That's how he communicated. You know, he didn't drop in as a 21st century message back 1500, 2000 years ago. He dropped into that culture, spoke to that culture through the context of the people, the language, uh, their practices, their habits. That's how he spoke and brought that redemptive promise of Christ's coming. So you have to read it in that context. But one of the golden threads that are through all of this up until now is that God always had a heart for those that are without. And it seems like his presence and his love and his directives have always been like, you need to keep an eye out for those who maybe are less fortunate than yourself. It's like God's heart is there. We're going to take a look at that today. And the, and the presence of the Holy Spirit is called the least of these. And so if you'll pray and, and pray for me, and uh, we'll jump into this. Lord, thank you so much for, for uh, this morning. And I pray your presence now. We pray that you would come and... Lord, make yourself known in your word as we read it. Lord, as we talk a little about it. And Lord, I pray for a sovereign peeling back of our hearts this morning. I pray that if there's anything in our hearts that needs to be uncovered, that you would uncover it this morning because there's enough grace in this place, Lord. To take care of whatever's there. And so Lord we offer our hearts to you. And Holy Spirit we ask for you to come and till that soil. Create something fresh and anew in us. Lord help me in my weakness. Give me the gift of teaching over the next few minutes Lord. And I pray that you would come. And Lord I pray if there's anyone here who does not know. The beautiful. Amazing. Uh, reconciliation and forgiveness that you have extended to us in Jesus Christ that this morning Lord their hearts would be humbled before you and they would Lord with much anticipation open their arms to receive you as their master as their savior and their dear friend and their Lord this morning so come and move in hearts Lord in Jesus name amen got a handout or on your handout there's a fill-in as normally because I say this every almost Sunday and there's a fill-in so we can track along a little bit uh your first scripture is Mark 2 verse 15 through 17 uh Mark believe this or not Mark is the only gospel that actually declares itself a gospel up front and it's the good news it says the gospel of Jesus Christ the good news of Jesus Christ and now uh, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners, talking about Jesus, and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You've heard that before, right? Oh, the doctor it is, yeah. You know, the Holy Spirit comes. Here's what I want you to fill in in your blank space in that scripture is where he says, why does he eat with tax collectors? I want you to write we or me in there. Or why do I? Or do you? Do you? Do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? Do you eat with them? And what was the big deal of Jesus doing that? What was... 
I mean, what, what was so huge about that? It seems like the Holy Spirit comes in a deeper measure uh, to us as we love those that He loves. And maybe, just maybe, even in a deeper measure when we love those that a lot of people don't love. Because that's the heart of God. We put ourselves in a place of experiencing that. It seems like the Holy Spirit comes in a, in a much different way. Uh, if you look at your life, I think uh, Doug shared uh, this acronym, REST, or something like this, where he talked about looking at your life and seeing how God has used you. You know, I hope you can look back, dear Christian friend, in your life and see times where God put you with people for the sake of those people and your heart was stirred. Suddenly, your heart was changed as you felt the love of God for those people. Many of you in here have heard my story. It, I've never been able to get away from that uh, foundation of when I became a Christian, that love for the community that I was a part of has never left me. It's like still there. Uh, I get to hang out with people who are not there yet. If you know what I mean. <laughs> I get to hang out and, and to love and to be available to people like that that I dearly love. But every time I'm with them, I know that that's where I was as well for so long. And there's something that happens in my heart when I am there in that place. Especially, I'll have to say this, especially when I eat with friends. I know I'm talking a lot about eating <laughs> these days. But you guys are good with eating, right? I mean, it's all right. So, I mean, there's never an ordinary meal, right? We Christians never have an ordinary meal. Every time we sit down with someone, that's not an ordinary meal. You are celebrating almost a communion there with that person. You're sharing food, and it means something very special. Uh, you know, my life has, had gone from like, from kind of a counterculture type thing, surfing, musician thing, and, and it, God, first thoughts I had out of the gate were, that's where I need to go back to. I don't need to leave that. I need to go back to it. I go back to those folks. And I'll like, tell you, I was wonderful people. We're some pretty rough people that I, <laughs> that I kind of hung out with and but every time I was with them, I think God almost did more in my heart to show me his love for them than maybe even what I did for them. It was like God broke my heart. And it's like his presence was more pronounced in those moments. I wrote this down, and I was asking myself this question. And when is the last time your ego took a hit because you were eating, visiting, hanging out with some sinner? When's the last time you, you were like, I hope nobody sees me here with this person in this place? It seems like Jesus had no problem with that at all. I had a friend call me one time. He said, hey, there's a guy that wants to become a Christian. He's in the hospital. He's dying of cirrhosis of the liver. Will you go see him? I said, sure, I'll go see him. So when I got to the hospital, indeed, skin was green and found out he was a comedian at one of the strip clubs around here. 
And I got there to him, and he was he's just a funny guy. Uh, and I said, well, what happened? What's going on with you? He goes, I said, do you know Christ? Do you know how much God loves you and cares for you? And he goes, yeah. You know, I almost died. I in the bed, and this bright light just began to shine at the end of my bed. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool, you know. Tell me more. He's like, yeah, just, sh-. I said, well, what was it? Who was it? He goes, when a bright light shows up at your deathbed, you know who it is. <laughs> Still had that sense of humor. And I said, well, what, it was Jesus? He said, yeah, as far as I could tell. And uh, I said, what did he say to you? He said, he said this, it's all right. It's all right. Over the next days and weeks, I met with him, and he never read the Bible, so I got him a Bible, put his name in it. I mean, I was just amazed. Uh, so I left the Bible with him. He lived up on the third floor of this condo, or fourth floor. He could barely walk. There was no elevator. So we had a time getting back up and down. And so I went up to do a, like a follow-up Bible study with him. And so I walked in, and you know, he goes, I said, well, what do you think? Been reading the Bible? He goes, man, that's the weirdest book I've ever tried to read in my life. I said, well, where, you know, what did you read? He said, it's a book. I started on page one. I'm like, okay, I get it. Okay, let's, let's talk, you know. And, I mean, I would take him. He still, his best friends were still at the strip club. That's, that was the people he had. So I would take him and drop him off. And he would always go, do not pull up over the overhang. I don't want anybody seeing the preacher <laughs> pull up to the, strip, to the strip club, okay? I mean, I, I didn't even think about it, you know, but he was trying to protect me. Oh, I got to tell you this story. This is great. Um, he says, hey, Tim, does your church need any money? I said, does the church ever need any money? He goes, I've got a plan to raise some funds for you. I said, okay. <laughs> he goes, the girls, <laughs> he says, the girls, and I do too, we make these custom candles and we carve them and we do all this. And he says, here's what I'm thinking. The girls can come and set up tables in your parking lot and we'll put the candles out and they're really good at selling stuff. And, uh, <laughs> and he said, we'll just, we'll make some money for the building fund, you know, and all this. it's just was just great. I think God was doing, and he, he died about two months, three months later. I, I, but during that period of time, you know, I think God, he was, I mean, he had made his peace with Christ, you know, he really had. And things were good with him. But it's like I was the one being totally leveled emotionally with him. It was like God was taking my heart and giving me his heart for this guy. Because what I didn't see a comedian that told raunchy jokes all over the world. I mean, he told me, he told Jesus, he said, in tears, he said, listen, I've made my living my whole life telling nasty jokes all over the world. And I'm good at it. And he said, he felt like Jesus said, so what? Like, this is now. This is right now. This is the moment where I'm here with you. You're, you're getting ready to, to meet me. In a different way. So what are you going to do about it? There's something very special about us. Putting ourselves in a position. And allowing God to steer us into positions. Of being uncomfortable. 
And I think it's good for us this morning. I felt like the Lord said this is kind of a, one of those times when it's maybe not be super comfortable, but a time of repentance where we turn, we ask the Lord to open our hearts and to kind of lay it bare to say, is my heart really for the tax collector and sinner? Is it really like you, Jesus? Is it, I mean, am I willing to put my wonderful reputation on the line because you asked me to go step into this with this person and be there with them? in this place at that time? Am I willing to do that? Is that my heart? Um, the Pharisees weren't bad people. The people that were judging Jesus, they, get a, they really get kind of a, a bad rap most of the time. The Pharisee just means separated ones. These were laymen. They weren't like what you call the priests. These were laymen that did everything they could to watch each other and watch their lives so that they could obey the scripture, be holy as I am holy. Like the Lord said. And so the Pharisees were people who had separated themselves away from the sinners and away from the tax collectors and away from everyone in order for them to be able to be holy. That's what they thought was right. They thought it was the right thing. But what happened while they did that is their hearts got hard and it got cold. And the more they drew away in their honest and maybe beautiful way to become more like God, they suddenly got a judgmental heart and they suddenly were removed from the exact people that God loved. And we're no different. It happens to us just like it did them. And so this morning, you know, I'm just asking, let the Lord, dear Christian friend, follower of Jesus, ask yourself this, you know. Are you there? Are you where you could go have a meal? And you could sit comfortably. I don't know what, I don't know what scares us Christians. I never got this. 48 years, I have never got this. What are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? We have Christ in our lives. He's able to keep us, hold us, to give us his presence, to heal us, to be with us. What are we afraid of befriending people who don't know him yet? It's the worst thing in the world I think that the church has ever fallen into is once you become a follower of Jesus, you go, don't have any association with anybody. And that might have been your sport. That might have been your... Uh, it could have been things you loved and it God had blessed you with, with influence and all. And suddenly the church is telling you, leave all of that alone and walk off from it. When those are the people you should be having more meals with. So they can see you, so they can see what's happening. So you can be there with them. Man, I got blessed this week. I tell you, I, I try to put myself every now and then. I, I don't do it as much as I should in those positions. And so there's this one person that works at a coffee place. And... Um, you know, I've been kind of putting myself in there trying to develop some friendships. And there's this one uh, person that always asks me about my dad. Always. And uh, so I haven't been around much in the last few weeks with things going on. And so when I saw them yesterday, the first thing out of her mouth was, How, how's your dad? You know, here I am trying to put myself in a position. And what does she do? She puts her arm around me and comforts me. And I started laughing. I was like, God. This is not fair. <laughs> you know, I'm supposed to be here for them, and now they're here for me. And that's just, do you see the heart of God in this? See how God loves his creation, and he loves people. And so, you know, do we eat with tax collectors and sinners? Do we have a heart uh, for that? I, 
I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I want to read a little section of scripture. I, or this book. In reading about times when the Holy Spirit came in a profound ways, it's good to do this. Now, I've lived through a honest to goodness revival in the 70s, the Jesus movement. I lived through it. I experienced it right here in Myrtle Beach. I've seen things, my wife and I, and some of you may be in here too, have seen things. Paul, you saw it. Some of us saw things that were amazing. I have never lost a love for that and wanting to see that again. But this, this is, that wasn't new. I mean, I want to just read. There's a guy named George Whitfield, 22 years old. 22 years old, back in the 1700s, 1770, 1780. Started preaching. Ended up, there's no PAs back in the 1700s. I don't know if you know it. There's none of this right here, right? He would preach to 20,000 people at a time. 22 years old. From England, running with the Wesley boys, too. And uh, he comes over, comes over to America. He's preaching. He shows up in Boston. And just like the Pharisees of Jesus' day, one of the pastors from Boston sees Whitfield on the street, walks over to him. And this Boston Pharisee of sorts greeted him and said, I am sorry to see you here. And Whitfield said, yeah, so is the devil. <laughs> Isn't that what you want to be like? Like when you show up, the devil goes, oh no, oh no. And I, oh no. But just listen to this. But Whitfield preached the consolations of God, the privileges of his children, and the outpouring of the Spirit on believers. Instead of continual distress over sin, people experienced a spiritual renewal as Whitfield preached a healing, tender, positive gospel. Wherever he went, Whitfield had no more than begun his sermon. He preached sometimes four and five times a day until he just wore himself out. It said that uh, upon, actually, uh, you may remember some of you that were here, he came through North Myrtle Beach on his travels and uh, had quite an experience up there with some of our dancing friends. <laughs> and when he got here to Myrtle Beach, he stopped right in the middle of the bay and he said it was one of the most beautiful places he'd ever seen as he was on his way to Savannah because he had an orphanage. That he would be take he was taking up offerings for to take care of kids. Whitfield had no more than begun his sermon when the Spirit of God came upon the congregation. From all over the building came the sound of loud weeping. Many fell into the arms of others. You should buy something like this and you should read it to stir yourself up. God's presence comes when people, when we put ourselves in a position of being available to others. You will feel it in your heart. You will sense the kindness of God and the love of God. And you need to embrace that. Some of you are going to feel like you're sitting across the table from someone. And all of a sudden you want to weep. And you don't know what's going on. It's the heart of God for that person. Go with it. Go with it. So when is the last time your ego took a hit because you were eating, visiting, hanging out with some sinner? Second, oh, I got to run. Matthew 25, 37 through 40. Then the righteous will answer him. This is Jesus speaking. Then the righteous will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you whatever you did for one of the least of these that's, there's your fill in, the least of these brothers and sisters of mine 
you did for me. So the first section of scripture dealt with those folks outside of our fellowship, outside, out there in this, that are working every day, going to school, that uh, we come into contact with family and friends, people who share sports activities with us or, or study or wherever we are that are not Christians yet, that don't know Jesus yet. This deals with more where he says, brothers and sisters, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters, the way I, when I studied this out, it, it really means kind of within the faith, that there are those among us who don't have enough to be taken care of. They're kind of those that uh, are in need. And we may pass by them in church or in small group or maybe on a missions trip or something every day, but we take no note of it. Least of these is the needy brothers and sisters of food. And, you know, it's... And, and listen, it's, it's not the giving. It's not our giving and our doing that saves us. It's our affection and our compassion for people among us, brothers and sisters, and the least among us, that reveals the care of a good shepherd. That passage in Ezekiel. The good shepherd that was going to come and care for his sheep. So when we look among our ranks. Or again we're out of all over the world. And as we have many missionaries out of this church. And, and it, we're at different places where we go. This is looking at our brothers and sisters. And going that person's in need. And of course Widows during this period of time were in desperate need because they had no support system at all once the husband died. None. There was no income. There was nothing. They were pretty much left on their own begging. And so that's why they're mentioned because they were one of the most needy in the midst. And then orphans as well were put out on the streets and had no one to take care of them. And so God's heart is for the widow, is for the orphan, is for the one who cannot take care of themselves. And there are those among us that are brothers and sisters, the least among you, brothers and sisters. And so my prayer of repentance this morning for us is that we would have eyes to see, to be able to notice who they are around us and that our hearts would break. I mean, um, some of the best times I've ever had is when we've helped people in the church. I mean, I've been a part of another, a couple of church plants and, and one that we did church plant we had someone and their grandson comes to our church now but we had a, a lady whose front porch was falling off it was dangerous for her to get in her house and some of us got together and went over and built that porch and you know we've been to a church in Georgetown who didn't have a roof and we put a roof on that we we did what we could to help others and every time you do that you get to sense the presence of God there is another level of the pronounced love and affection of a wonderful savior who loves his church and is the good shepherd as we help shepherd one another um, I was in Thailand a few years back and the people we were staying with said you're a musician would you teach some guitar lessons to these two guys these two young Thais I mean I couldn't speak any Thai and uh I can't even speak English. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's right. I do speak Southern. And uh, so, you know, I sat down with those guys. There's a picture in my office of me sitting with that young man. That young man had been rescued from the sex trade in Bangkok and taken to this house so to, to protect him. His, his mother sold him 
into the sex trade. And, uh, and so we sat there. I mean, he didn't understand a word. I didn't understand a word, but we understood music. And we sat there and played songs and laughed for probably four hours that night. And there is just something about putting yourself in a position with those that, are, that have less than you do in your fellowship. Right here in the vineyard, here or in your small group or in your Bible study, keeping your eyes open for those. Jesus said the least of these. Not just some needy, but look for the least. The ones always overlooked. When you don't notice them. There's a special, I don't know, presence maybe when we do that. Your third one here is this. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And part of the being polluted by the world is not caring about orphans and widows. To not care about those who are in need around us. That's when we've been polluted. And um, Deuteronomy, let me just give you a quick background. Deuteronomy 10.18 says this. He, talking of God, defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you. Giving them food and clothing. And you are to, what? You are to love those who are foreigners. For you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. In Ephesians 2.12, you're like, well, that was the Old Testament, Tim. No, look, Ephesians 2.12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. Excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were a foreigner. I was a foreigner to God. Excluded. And foreigners to the covenant of the promise. Without hope and without God in the world. We too were one time separate. Do you see why God gives us a heart? Why we cannot. This is not a political thing. This is a heart of God thing. This has nothing to do with any party. It has nothing to do with any of that. For those of us who are Christians and followers of Jesus, it's the heart of God because we were excluded. Do you remember? It says, remember that at that time, dear Christian, do you remember at the time you were away from God? I do. It's been a long time for me, but I still remember it. I still remember what it was like. To not know him and not have that promise of Christ in my life. Paul says, dear church at Ephesus, you need to remember that. You need to revisit the fact that you were a foreigner and you were estranged from God. Because it has nothing to do with politics and everything to do with the heart of God for reconciliation and love and care for his creation. And if we allow our hearts to be hardened and to be manipulated... By other systems other than the love of God, we will not see the kingdom come in the measure that we want to see it. And we will not experience the presence of the Holy Spirit the way that we could. Because his heart is for those who are estranged and far off, just like we were at one time. Don't allow yourself to be bought, to be pandered to. Or to be corrupted by any other philosophy other than the love of God for his creation. 
Allow yourself for Jesus to dismantle you. The minute you see any prejudice, the minute you see any type of judgment, any, the minute you start going them and us, the minute you start tagging somebody with some, the minute that happens, allow the Lord to grab your heart and bring you to your knees and say, God, you went to the cross for me when I was so far away from you. So far away from you. Love the widow. Love the orphan. Love the foreigner. Feed. Clothe. You getting this? It's the heart of God. Those of you who know Jesus Christ, he brought you close. You were way out there. I don't care how close you think you were. You weren't that close. All right. You weren't. Now, I knew I was far away. Some of you think you were a little closer, but you weren't. Because close is not close enough with God, right? Close is not close enough. Good is not good enough with God, right? It's not. You got to be all in, and there's only one way Jesus. That's it. Through Him. That's it. If we want to see the presence of God in a more pronounced way, we'll have His heart. We will do the things that he did. I would encourage you, I don't have time to do it, but I'd encourage you to pick up this book. This is for this series. There are stories in here from the vineyard, our group of churches, of how God has dropped in on people. And there's a great story. There's a section for every sermon that we're preaching through this series with testimonies to how God has shown up in people's lives. You know, you can write your own book like this. Some of you already have it. You just haven't written it out. You can write your own book of how God has worked in you and how he's revealed his love in and through you. And all of you should be writing your book and putting it down to the glory of God. So I want to do this this morning. I want us to take a moment and let's ask the Holy Spirit to reveal our hearts. Is there anything is there anything in our heart blocking the love of God for others? And it's okay. It's okay to be able to say, you know what? There is. There is, Lord, because we're human and we fall into things and we lapse back into stuff. And, we, you know, we're frail. God knows that. He understands that. But you know what he also does? He brings his Holy Spirit to cleanse us, to forgive us. To bring his presence back. And so that his love could work in our lives. Anew. So Lord would you bring your presence now. In that beautiful way. Of repentance Lord. That is. I'm thinking this way. I was thinking this way. I was going that way. But I'm going to turn. And I'm going this way now. I'm going to change from thinking. And those conclusions I made. And those judgments I made. And I'm going to turn toward you Lord. I want your heart. I want your heart, God. Give me your heart for your creation. Come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Forgive us, Lord, where we have judged, where we have withheld your affection from others who needed to experience it. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven, Lord. No will. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, 
whoever, whoever, Lord. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.